let, let's pray together, and then we're going to jump into uh, the Word this morning. Our Father, we thank you, Lord, for, for gathering your people together this morning, for um, gathering us from all these different places and all our different uh, families and spaces that we've been in over the last uh, week or so, and, and bringing us back together to make Jesus known here. Um, and Lord, I just pray that over the next few minutes and in everything that we do this morning, uh, that that would, be, that would be what happens, is that your Holy Spirit be at work to um, open the eyes of our hearts so that we would know who you are and we would know what you're like and what you do. Uh, Father, help us to remember who that makes us. And so we would send out, uh, that we would be sent out even um, living life that flows from you. I pray that you just help us to be present this morning, that you uh, have each one of us hear what you want us to hear, that you speak to each one of us. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So uh, in his book, Abba's Child, Brennan Manning, he shares a story of an executive who goes out uh, to like a hermit guide in the desert. He lives in this cave. Uh, and he goes out to him to complain about sort of the struggles of trying to live the Christian life along with doing all the other stuff in life. And so the hermit listens to him, and then he goes deep into his cave, and eventually he returns carrying a basin and a, a pitcher of water. Now watch the water as I pour it from the basin, he tells the man. And so the man, he watched the water like splash out into the bottom of this basin. It kind of goes up the sides, you know, uh, just making all kinds of waves and whatnot until it's completely emptied out. And then even after it's emptied out, it's still swirling around a little bit. It's choppy, wavy, and eventually it kind of settles down into some ripples. And then they kind of become larger and slower ripples going back and forth until the water finally becomes smooth. And the hermit hadn't said anything the whole time. He's still watching. The water becomes like glass so he could see his face reflecting off the top of the water. And then the hermit says to the executive, you do not see yourself as you are because of all the confusion and the disturbance. You fail to recognize the divine presence in your life and the consciousness of your belovedness slowly fades. If you're like me at all, uh, especially during this holiday season, when everything just starts to seem kind of like a, a blur, you don't know what day it is maybe, uh, you, might rely, you might be relating to the executive in the story. Like maybe you could see yourself running into the desert, uh, thirsty, wondering how in the world you can be a disciple who serves others, who uh, gives to others, who loves others well, who tells people about the good news of Jesus and avoids sinning when tempted with lust or towards jealousy or towards anger. Like how can you be all of that and also like work on your marriage and do your job and do well at your job and succeed or raise your kids or get through school or take care of your basic needs or some mix of all of that or more. Well, Dallas Willard, he makes the observation that we will never be able to be like Jesus, like on the spot, in these moments of temptation and amidst the day-to-day -day stuff of life, unless we're living like Jesus did with all his life. 
right? Meaning we're not going to live like a highlight reel without practicing. And practicing means also doing what Jesus did when he wasn't like performing miracles and resisting temptations of the devil and radically serving others. And in the fall, we walked through the first half of the Gospel of John together. In the spring, we're going to walk through the second half. And the second half of the book uh, is going to kind of shift, and it takes place over the last few days leading up to the cross of Jesus Christ. And over those last few days, Jesus turns inward to his few disciples, and he just invests so much into him. And we're going to get to this later on this spring, but in John 15, 1 through 11, there's this well-known lesson on the vine and the branches. And Jesus says this to his disciples, John 15, 9 through 10, if you want to turn there, it'll also be on the screen. Jesus says, as the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. Abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. This is what Jesus did. This is the way, like Jesus, uh, this is what he did outside of the big moments, right? In the day-to-day, moment-to-moment parts of his life, he made space to be with his Father. He remained in his Father. He made his home in his Father. And he let his whole life flow from who God is. And as the way is for Jesus, this is the way for us also. It's a call to, to be with him to remain with him, to make our home in Christ so that everything we do in life grows up and out of who we are in him. And so today, as we we each begin to sort of emerge from the holiday season and just begin to start looking even towards the, the coming months and days, even before we get into our plans for the church this year and what we're looking forward to, I just want to call us to what Jesus called his disciples to right before they went through probably the most dark, most dazed, most confused days of their lives, right before Jesus was arrested and then was crucified. He called them to abide in him, to abide in his love. Abide in my love. And it sounds good, right? Like staying close to Jesus, staying connected with Jesus, knowing his love at all times. But then there's like days when... Like, I personally just don't feel all that warm and fuzzy about it, you know? There's days when I just don't feel like I I have it, like I'm tired, I'm lost, I'm a little bit disconnected. And abiding in Him in those moments seems like it's just something more that I have to do, something I have to work at. There's days when I just don't have it in me. But it isn't really like that. Like, I think we as a people, we are often eager to hear everything as a call to action. But abiding in his love is really just about pausing, to take a look around, to find the evidence of his steadfast love that's all around us. It's sort of this practice of watching the water settle until we can see clearly. Except in real life, it's not just a a bowl of water, right? It's dealing with your daily schedules and your different duties and whatever crisis may come up. Uh, It's feeling like you're caught in a storm at times. It might be feeling like everything is going to break. But abiding in Jesus isn't a call 
for you to work your way out of the chaos of the day-to-day and back to him. Abiding in him is actually an invitation. Jesus was giving his disciples an invitation. It's an invitation to see that because of Jesus' great and loving work, though everything is crazy and seemingly lost in the moment, because of his great and loving work, he is with you. And so like a branch receives its life from a vine, your life flows from him and the reality of his deep and abiding love for you. Now, Pete Cazero, he writes this, that we are too active for the kind of reflection needed to sustain a life of love with God and with others. And I think what Pete Cazero and Dallas Willard and Brennan, Brennan Manning and this hermit in the desert cave and, and of utmost importance, Jesus knows, is that it takes time and it takes uh, reflection to stain a life of love with God and with others. And we are just far too active much of the time. There's just too much noise, so much that, that often we can neither see nor hear God. I think that's why Jesus was regularly uh, pulling away from all the commotion to be alone and to be quiet with the Father. I mean, immediately after Jesus was baptized, we looked at this already. We remembered a baptism uh, back in John, back in the fall. But immediately after being baptized, he goes off on a 40-day fast in the desert. And then later on, we saw this also, Jesus feeds 5,000 people with a miracle and he spends time with them and he teaches them. And then Matthew 14, 23, it says that, and after he dismissed the crowds, he went up on a mountain by himself to pray. And when evening came, he was there alone. And in John 15, where I just read from, when, Je- when Jesus finishes talking with his disciples, we know that he went off to be alone and to pray in the Garden of Gethsemane before he was arrested. And he tells the disciples then to do the same thing. Jesus regularly pulled away from the commotion and the noise and intentionally made space to get alone with the Father. And for us also then, abiding in Jesus will mean spending some quiet moments with Jesus. So what does that look like? What do they do? Psalm 62, 1 through 8, it's a, it's a psalm of King David. I just I want to read this for us. David said this, he says, For God alone my soul waits in silence. From him comes my salvation. He alone is my rock and my salvation, my fortress. I shall not be greatly shaken. How long will all of you attack a man to batter him, like a leaning wall, a tottering fence? They only plan to thrust him down from his high position. They take pleasure in falsehood. They bless with their mouths, but inwardly they curse. Selah. For God alone, O my soul, wait in silence. For my hope is from him. He only is my rock and my salvation, my fortress. I shall not be shaken. On God rests my salvation and my glory, my mighty rock, my refuge is God. Trust in him at all times, O people. Pour out your heart before him. God is a refuge for us. Selah. Here's what I'm taking away from this and what I, what I want us to get. David begins this psalm, 
this prayer, this song to God, with this profession of his like posture against the many struggles he was facing, right? My soul waits in silence. From him comes salvation. He's my refuge. He's my refuge. Like when David says that, he's saying, I'm going to hide in God. I'm going to abide in him because I can do nothing apart from him. He is my refuge. And I think essentially even we today are saying something similar, right? We come together, we'll participate in a corporate uh, confession of sin, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll hear the assurance of pardoning grace, we're, we've sang already some songs of worship, we're being reminded about our salvation in Christ, we've already read this invitation to abide in Him, to, take, to, to find your refuge in Him, and essentially what we're doing this morning is saying, I am going to abide in Christ, He's my refuge, I will trust in Him in all things. But then, after David says all that in Psalm 62, the reality of David's present struggles kicks in a bit. And he starts like pouring out his heart to God, right? Sort of complaining about his struggles, like the executive out in the desert in Brennan Manning's story. And David essentially cries out like, how long will I be attacked? And what am I even being attacked for? Why is there all this injustice? Those who are against me, they're ruthless. They don't want my position. They just want to see me suffer he's just kind of on and on and i think we should be able to track with this part of the the psalm as well because even if you somehow have managed to shut out the noise of the world for this one hour together on sunday morning quieting all your cares and your struggles and your ambitions along with like facebook and instagram and tiktok and whatever else, and email, email and texting and all the other noises of life even if you've accomplished that and you Profess your trust in Jesus alone this morning with us together. As soon as the benediction is over, right, we're all going to go running right back into the noise. And sometimes the noise even creeps into this moment here and takes our thoughts away. And we start thinking about what we have to do about it. This is what I love about how David ends his complaint with that word selah, selah. Now, it's, it's a word we don't really totally know the meaning of, but a good guess is that it's sort, some sort of musical uh, instruction. This psalm is meant to be played with music, uh, and this musical instruction is probably something like taking a pause or a rest or an interlude. It's just a moment to pull back. It's a moment to reflect. That's at least how like I personally use the word in the Scripture. But So I think David pauses. I think... He's recognizing the fork in the road in his complaints. Like, all this noise has crept back in. All these complaints have come back up. And now there's a fork in the road. Either you stand up and you take action and you go start trying to figure that stuff out and solve it on your own, or you truly abide in and you take refuge in God. And I love this. This is David's next words. And they're to his own soul. Like, David addresses his own soul, 62, 5 through 7. For God alone, O my soul, wait in silence. For my hope is from him. He only is my rock and my salvation, my fortress. I shall not be shaken. On God rests my salvation and my glory. My mighty rock, my refuge is God. It's like he pulls back, he takes a breath, and he he catches what has just 
happened. He professed at the beginning that his soul was postured in silence and in waiting on the Lord, but the noise of his life is kind of bidding him back, coming back, uh, wanting to save himself. And then he catches himself and he says, no, like, I really believe that God is my only hope. He really is my salvation. He's everything. And all that I am is rooted in him. And so I'm going to get quiet and I'm going to abide in him. I'm going to trust him always. Then comes this encouragement for us. It's verse 8. And even as I just read it again, let's begin to take it to heart a little bit. Trust in him at all times, O people. I mean, that's abiding in him. Trust in him at all times, O people. Pour out your heart before him. God is a refuge for us. Selah. Pause. Like, reflect on that. Trust in him at all times, O people. Pour out your heart before him. God is a refuge for us. What noise even creeps into our worship this morning and calls us away and calls us to action? Abide in Christ. Like wait on Him rather than acting on all your cares immediately. This is an exercising of your faith. As Paul says in Timothy, in, uh, to Timothy in 1 Timothy 4, 7, Train yourself for godliness. Do what David did and actually tell your soul to wait on God, to get quiet and to wait, to take refuge in Him because you know something in your head or something in your heart and you need them to align. Abide here with Him. You know, I think that all the noise in our lives, and, I, and obviously I don't just mean social media and TVs and stuff like that. I'm, I'm talking about that, but it's also like our busyness and our hurry and our filling up our calendar and our, our day-to-day tasks and meetings. Or maybe it's like checking your checking accounts and your, your bills and all that kind of stuff or uh, trying to figure out your future job situation or maybe figuring out your, super, your, your relationship situation. Whatever else we find ourselves like obsessing over constantly. All that noise is generated from all of our doing, all of our activity. And all our doing and all our activity, its, it's root usually has something to do with us trying to tell the world who we are. But who we are isn't actually answered by our doing. It's actually answered by our being. And I think we, like the executive who's looking in that basin of water, we can't see our true reflection for all the commotion. And so we can't tell the world who we really are because we can barely remember who we really are. Not all the time, but often. And so this morning, like, it's New Year's Eve. And before we jump into the next year, I suppose I just want to encourage us to take a moment to be still, to let the water settle. I just want to remind you who you are. I want you to see it clearly. I desperately need to see it clearly. At the very root of your existence, you are an image bearer of God. That's true of you. Like you were given life. God shaped you and formed you and he breathed life into you so that you could make him known in this world 
together. Like that's your purpose. That's life for you and I is to bear the image of God in all of creation. And not only are you an image bearer of God, but you're deeply loved by Him. So much so that Jesus, who is God, came to earth. He put on flesh. And He hung on a cross to rescue you from sin and death. And He rose again to restore you to life in Him and with Him. And so see, you and I, we have this intrinsic value. You are deeply loved. You are a deeply loved image bearer of God. But the truth is, for me, and probably for you, is that often you don't even really know it. You forget it, and your true reflection fades in all the choppiness and all the noise. And I know that's true because I forget who I am often. We just get back to our doing and we try to present ourselves as this thing or that thing or something else. We must get quiet. We must get still and be with God and find again who we are in Him. And I just can't think of a better way to end this year than start a new one. This is the invitation of Jesus back in John 15, verses 3 through 5. It says, already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me you can do nothing. Like it's an invitation to, to stop all the doing and make space to be with him and truly rest in Christ alone because you can do nothing apart from him. Like David in Psalm 62 calls his soul to silence and encourages us to trust in him at all times, O people. Pour out your heart before him. God is a refuge for us. And so... If you find yourself believing but, but struggling to live like the Christian life and do all the things that it seems that Jesus wants you to do, like the executive in the desert, this morning I just want you to be reminded that Jesus is the source of your whole life. I want you to taste it. I want you to see it by abiding him, by, by pulling away for a moment and making space to be with him. And I want to encourage you to even talk back to your soul with the intentionality of, of David and say, set your gaze upon the person and work of Jesus. Even in the fuzziness of the season or the busyness that you have coming up, wait patiently on him. Abide in him. Take refuge in him. Set your gaze upon the person and work of Jesus and don't operate from anywhere outside of that. So this morning, before we move into our regular time, of response, I just want to encourage you to pause, to take an interlude, to Selah. Like in a few minutes, I'm going to pray for us, and the band's going to come, and they'll lead us in worship, and, and I'll invite you. You can come, and you can take communion with us. If you're a Christian, uh, whether you're a member of this church or not, you can come, and you can dip the bread and the wine or the juice and proclaim Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior to one another and remind each other, each other of that. But before 
we get to that, let's just spend a few moments in silence. Just make some space. We're here. We already pulled ourselves out of the stuff of the week to get here and to do this. So let's just spend a few moments in silence and be present. Spend some time with Jesus. I'm going to ask you, like, let's just push through a little bit of the awkwardness of silence and the stillness. And then just use these moments to, you personally, just push some stuff aside, watch the, pour, the water kind of pour out from the picture, pitcher and settle in the basin. And as it does, just prayerfully look to Jesus, who is God with us, who is your Savior, who is the vine, the source of your life. And then perhaps meditate on this verse from Psalm 62, which we're going to have on the, the screen. Trust in him at all times, O people. Pour out your heart before him. God is a refuge for us. Let's enter into that time.